millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to another one of our vodcasts here on Eurosport. I am Mats Vilanda, like they call me in Australia. And the gentleman on my left, would you please state your name and where you come uh, from? My name is John Patrick McEnroe Jr., born in Wiesbaden, West Germany, raised in New York, New York. On my right. My name is Boris Becker. I come from Leimen, Baden-Württemberg, for 51 years geboren. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we're going to discuss some new rules to adapt, adopt and rules that we should trash. Could, before we start, can I ask you guys a question? Please. Why is it that Boris's picture is this, you know, youthful 17 or 18 year old? Matt, you're over here. You got the youth there. And then they got this picture of me from two weeks ago. <laughs> Why is that? I'm not sure. Maybe because you haven't changed. Oh, or, or, or you have inner beauty. You have inner beauty. Inner beauty. <laughs> inner beauty. Inner beauty is what it is. Okay. It's what it is. And Matt is left-handed, by the way. Yeah. There's a purity to to your insides, John. They leave you with the old skin on the outside. Or else they couldn't find an old picture of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or they wanted. They just didn't want to put up black and white photos. That could be it too. Oh. <laughs> anyway, guys, we're gonna. Uh, the first thing we're gonna discuss is the biggest rule change. I think is to go with a super tiebreaker. Obviously, a two-set all yeah. in the men's draw, uh, six games all in Australian Open. We now play a tiebreaker first to ten. On the regular sets, it's only first to seven. Of course, women's one set all, you play a tiebreaker first to ten. John, being the uh, uh, elder statesman here, what do you think? <laughs> well, first of all, I think anyone that's listened to me at all, maybe not too many people have over the course of the last 25 years or so I've been doing commentating is pushing as well as playing, by the way, pushing for tiebreakers. I think the tiebreak rule at the U.S. Open was great. Six all, fifth set. I think both players have exhausted their, you know, what they've got in the tank enough, and the fans should appreciate the the effort these guys. And to take it further, I think it ends up where it ends up two guys that are tired and someone makes too many errors in the match end. So I actually like the what the Australians done the most with the six all in the fifth set, but doing the ten point tiebreaker. We have a lot of history on the seniors tour playing that, and doubles does that already. And I think the time has come for all four to have the same, mm. which is not the case yet. There's still four different ones. I think that the progress is being made. I like the 10.1 the most, um, but I think the most important thing is to get it at six all. 
Boris, what do you think? What you make of the Wimbledon rule change that it's not at six all but at twelve all? Isn't that just prolonging it for no reason, or is that because it's grass and it's easier to hold serve and the matches are quicker? I'm not quite sure why. Well, it could be a little bit of that. Uh, I think the courts are slower than they've ever been, obviously, since they changed the grass 15 or so years ago. So uh, I think at that point, uh, I, I would still push for six all. I think that they should have the same rules, dare I say, yeah. for all four majors. I mean, is that too much to ask? <laughs> Come on. No, I, I agree. There should be a tiebreaker. But just a quick question to you, John. What's the longest tennis match you ever played? Longest tennis match I ever played was against you two guys. I'm oh. not sure which one was longer, but I played... Uh, over six hours against you in and Davis Cup. It. No tiebreakers. You, you know, won I, I won that one, lost to Boris uh, in, in uh, six hour, 20 minutes. I believe yours was 6.15 or something. So I never want to go through that again. <laughs> but I have a question for you, Mats, on clay. They also have the rule change that at the French Open, it's six all tiebreaker. Is that the same? Not yet. No, I believe so clay is still long open. set. Yeah. No tiebreak No tiebreak. No okay. tiebreaker at the mm. French. They haven't changed anything yet. Mm. They should Nor have that. they gotten in a roof. Yeah. That's true. Well, so they, they might they, never get it. Well, they're supposed to get it. Um, yeah, I believe tiebreaker. I agree with both of you. Coaching on court. There's been a lot of discussion. Um, coaching on court. How does that, How? what do you think? Boris and I discussed this with Patrick Martiglou the other day. Uh, John, what do you think? It's going to happen most probably with signals and whatnot. And what do you think coaching should look like if it's allowed at all? Uh, I'm not a big proponent of coaching on the court. Uh, I think it takes away from the one unique thing that tennis has is that you're supposed to be doing it on your own. I, they talk about boxing and they got the trainers and the cornermen and stuff. And uh, that's all well and good. And you've got golfers that got caddies. They're sort of right-hand men with them or women. And I guess that's okay. But I think what makes tennis different, what I like about it, is you sort of have to think on your own on your feet. And uh, I, if there was any coaching permitted, and I say this seriously, I would say let them coach from the box. Let them scream out something. Half the time the player's so teed off at him, either himself or the advice that they've been given in the first place, they start bickering with each other and going off on each other, the way Murray did all the time. And some other players do that, you know, staring at them. And yeah. I think if, if you're going to allow anything, it would be that. But, and, and you can't, obviously... People do that all the time. I, I saw C.C. Pass got um, uh, he got a coaching violation because his father told him to drink more water, I believe, or drink the recovery drink between sets, and that was a violation. So they they, they take it to absurd levels at times, and I, I think it impacted the match with Serena at the Open negatively because it was happening all through the tournament, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere they call her on it, and yeah. I thought that was totally unfair or just where did that come from? So they, they need to sort of just be consistent. You know, uh, that's the that's the problem with uh, that that I had with officiating uh, uh, in the past was I felt like uh, they weren't consistent. Mm. And then they sort of exacerbate the situation by sort of not acknowledging your complaint. Mm. You know, I think. I like the NBA, the basketball lot, because there's a lot of talk between the players and the refs, and there seem like they have a connection and, and that they're on the same page. And I think that when I saw, for example, Muhammad Layani get off the chair and try to pretty much beg Nick Kyrgios at the Open to to play and, to try. and, and try, I thought that was the greatest thing an umpire had ever done. I mean, I thought he should have been a, given a bonus for it, but instead he was suspended for two weeks. Yeah. So. 
I think that we're, we're at least the good news is people are looking at different ideas and looking to, you know, hopefully make things better in the future. I'm not even going to let you answer, Boris, because you agree with that, I think. You want a little bit of coaching? I want, well, everybody does it yeah, pretty exactly, much. Yeah, uh, uh, and so we need to have rule change of either you allow it or you don't allow it. You can debate whether a coach should be then on the court. On the women's side, they do it. I, I'm personally in favor of coach. Uh, I think it would increase the quality of tennis. I think, for the especially for the lower-ranked players, they would get closer to the better players, and mm. I think that's one of the reasons the better players don't want it. A lot of them may not it. be able to afford it, though. That's uh, true, too. But the, the, the problem that I see is that suddenly you have, if you have a coach calling all of the shots, because there was, because, okay, I'm going to say it out loud, Patrick Martiglou thinks that the best coaching situation is when the coach sits on the bench, on the court. But suddenly, we have, if we have a great coach on one side, great coach on the other side, it becomes about ball striking. How does the little guy, Diego Schwartzman, how does he play a guy who's twice his size, suddenly it becomes physical rather than mental because the coach is calling the calling the shots and then suddenly you have to be a certain size and hit the ball a certain way. So I don't agree with the bench thing. I, I, I totally agree. You, you, you can't police it completely. So signals. I, I also want to say that we live in 2019. We have rule changes to make tennis better. We had the Hawkeye. We have the 25 seconds now between serves. I think we should stay relevant. I think young people People would um, get used to the fact that, like in all other sports, there's coaches also perfectly involved in tennis. And mm, I think it was sure. just add to the whole spectacle of tennis. How I mean, wouldn't you see a Mats Wielander or John McEnroe with the right type of player on the coach on the sideline? I would love to hear the conversation you would have with your chosen player. I mean, that would add to the whole show. I think there's a point to be made with what Barr said, though, that if it enhances the interest in the sport sure. and it brings in some new people, that that should be looked at. I mean, I'm a little bit old school in that regard. I get what you're saying, and in a way, I agree with it because mm. you, you want to see a new audience come into the sport. It yeah. is a great sport, but we got to find a younger audience. How about the, the obviously the Hawkeye is a good system, I think, but how about taking line umpires like they've done in the next gen finals? There's no line umpires, it's just a Hawkeye calling the lines, and it's the same mono yeah. Yeah. yeah it's the same monotone vo out out fault out. what do you think Boris you go first yeah um, it's we got to be careful not to become too technical in tennis I think the human event is important I mean we've never would have seen a John McEnroe with that type of scoring system and 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 you know no umpiring I think again it's part of the spectacle if if the player talks to the umpire or the linesman now obviously you don't want to win or lose by luck or bad luck or bad call but there is a fine line to what's good and what's not good. I'm also not a favor of the scoring system to four. I think it would change the whole history of tennis, and it it wouldn't it wouldn't be as important as as you know playing until six or three out of five. John, you have a relationship with line umpires and chair umpires. That's very uh, unique. What do you think? I would take, listen, you know, what, what was exciting in one way about my era was that you saw more, I believe, personality and you saw more interaction and you saw trash talking at, at times that you don't see now, which I think is interesting. So I, I would, if you really want to make it more interesting, I firmly believe that if you had the players call their own lines... Forget that system. You have a challenge system, so the the other player can challenge. But if the players call their <laughs> own lines, which we do, by the way, in, in the States at uh, Jim Courier's tour, the senior tour, and I think that would bring in the audience even more and make it where the at times the opponent of whoever's playing would feel like maybe he was cheating. I love it. And it would be unbelievable. <laughs> uh, but it will never happen. 
So your compromise, I mean, I hope it does, but uh, I, I believe that your idea of not having the linesman, I think, is a good one, though. I mean, why do you have people that aren't needed? Yeah, I agree. If you're going to get, uh, if you have a system that makes the right call, and you got someone in the chair that can say a double bounce or a let or whatever it is, which, by the way, I think they should play let's on serve. That would be one less thing to worry about. Why do you need the linesman out there if you have a, a, a electronic system making the correct call? Why would, why would I mean, that be on, necessary? On some of the center courts, the linesman sits so far back in the back of the court, it's impossible to see a slice serve, for example, or if it's you know, the ball is landing inside the service line. So it's an argument to be made just to make sure the tennis becomes... Um, more honest in a way, you know. Mm. On the other side, I like the human element. I mean, why do you have an umpire anyway? You could have just a scoring system and a computer telling you 40-15. It would be the same thing. So, again, we should. I, I like modern technology, and I, I think it's important. It improved our sport. Mm. But there's something to um, debate about, you know, having personalities out on the courts defending themselves with umpires or linesmen. We're, we're, we're like street uh, court level, you know, calling here at the Australian Open which was another reason why I'd advocate not having linesmen because they're way back, like you said, and they're right in front of the commentator's box, and all I get to see is a derriere. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even see the court. I have to look at the monitor, and I'm six feet away from the court. So it feels like something should change there. What about the serve clock is um, introduced here and at the U.S. Open? First of all, the serve clock, when the, the serve clock hits zero, where should the player be in his serve? Should, the, should he have hit the serve, or is it okay to still bounce the ball three or four times? Well, in fact, it, it, to me, if you have a serve clock, you should have 25 seconds to hit the ball. Right. You know, is it the start of your motion? Is it when you throw the toss up? I mean, we don't even, I'm not even sure. Do you know the answer to that, by the way? Do I we know what it, the well, actual rule is? I, I'm not 100% certain, but I believe it's when you start your service motion. Now, if you're Novak Djokovic, you might bounce the ball 15 times in once part of your service motion. So that's the, the point you make. On yep. the other hand, I've never seen Nadal win quicker, not because it was always straight yep. sets. It's because he's aware that he takes his time. Mm. He doesn't want to get a warning because of slow play, and therefore he actually gets going on the surf much quicker than I've ever seen him before. I, I think he, I think Nadal's playing better because yeah. of the surf clock. Yeah. And we all thought that, uh, or most people thought he'd struggle because he, he goes over so often. But it's forced him to sort of take a look yeah. out of the corner of his eye, be aware of it. And it's helped quicken things up. And he's winning quicker. <laughs> he's winning like an hour oh, yeah. quicker. It's, <laughs> he, he must love this thing. <laughs> he's playing much faster. So, so then should there also be a return clock? Because sometimes last night, even against Francis Tiafo, Nadal had to, he puts up his rag and says, sorry, I'm not ready. Should you be able to serve at any time you want? Uh, yes, maybe there's a five-second you have to give your, your the returner some f certain number of seconds to be ready. But sometimes I feel like you should let Nick Curious play really quick. And then if you're not ready on the other side, well, you don't have time to get your towel if Curious is serving because he might serve and you're not there. Uh, Where is the I, rule I, there? I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, as you know or are well aware, in our day, we, you're supposed to play at the server's pace. That's it, right? And so if he was going to step up, Johan Creek was the Nick Curios of my yeah. time. You know, he'd step up three seconds after the other point and he'd want to serve again. And if you'd want to, you know, go with it in a way because he'd want to see himself destruct. 
maybe. But but on the other hand, if that's an actual tactic, he should be allowed to do that as well. It should always go by the server's clock. Uh, and a returner often does it on purpose to interrupt the server when he's not ready, especially on a second serve and there's, a, there's noise from the crowd. I think mm. that's done on purpose. So a returner should always go with the server. What about, a, uh, just as this is a little offshoot of the question, they toss it, they catch the ball, it's at about two or three when they catch it. So clearly they've gone at least five, ten seconds over by that time they hit it. But that's never called. Yeah, right. So to me, you should be allowed. You throw the toss up and you don't hit the serve. That's a fault. What do you think of that? That would add spice to the whole uh, you get, serve. You get two yeah. serves. You, know, you get two serves, yeah. You get two yeah. serves. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, you, okay, you lose a point. That would make, you know, more of a premium on tossing, and it would just add a, an, a, an exciting But element. sometimes it gets very windy. Yes, it does. And the poor guys playing outside, there's, you know, we're playing inside of Rod Laver, it's less windy than playing on court 17. So there's a big disadvantage of that. And sometimes just guys have a little bit of a of a yips, you know, they get nervous. I've had it too. So I don't know if I want to penalize that because they're already really in their service motion and they want to get going. To just have a bad serve or they have a, a mm. bit of a wrist action. Oh, then a compromise. And then they when they throw it up, they don't, you know, they're called for a, a, war, a, a clock violation because this is a tactic yep. people are using. You know, they throw, yeah. oh, sorry, you know, and then they sort of, it's almost like, oh, where's the serve clock between the first and second serve? How come it's yeah. not 15 seconds or whatever it is, 10 seconds? The clock's turned off. I mean, so there's still things that need to be worked out, but yeah. it's a, a step in the right direction, and it's actually helped the players we thought it was going to hurt. Mm -hmm. I like it. Uh, one rule that I, that I really want to hear your input on, and I'm going to state my case first, is the uh, treatment when the physical trainer comes on court and he comes and he rubs the guy's legs. And, of course, if you cramp, the trainer is not allowed to help you. But if I got tired legs, the trainer comes up and he can give you treatment between in the changeover. I'm like, is that not part of the game that you get tired legs? You shouldn't be able to get treatment. Surely that's going too far. If you're having an injury, yes, help it so it's not a long-term situation. But if it's just tired legs and you get a rub on the legs, that can't be right. Yeah, I mean, uh, that is what's known as loss of condition. Or, or be you're not as in good a shape as the other guy. And that should be rewarded, as you said. And that's why you train so hard, to, especially in the men where it's best of five. There's a pretty significant difference between three and five. And all that extra hard work you put in pays off. Yep. And then some guy comes out and you're breaking the guy down. And the guy gets some extra time and throws off the momentum in addition to get work done. Seems totally absurd to me. So I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, I've seen, especially on the men's side, two matches here in the second week where players, actually younger players, called the trainer in, in the fourth set, third, fourth set, because they were tired. Mm. And they had a rub on their leg, and then they obviously moved better. I think that's a terrible rule. Sissy Pass did that against Federer. Yeah, yeah. for example. Called the trainer yeah. in the fourth yeah. set. Yeah. Uh, for uh, legs. I mean, it's legs. it's within the rules. I and mean, so he, he he's allowed to do it, but it shouldn't be allowed to happen. And Roger actually made a comment to the umpire saying, so he called the trainer 10 minutes ago for what? Mm. And I, you know, I, the whole point of, of making the other guy tired is taken away from it. I mean, imagine you on the clay, you're playing with somebody three, four hours, and then you're always a fit guy, and then the other guy gets tired. And then, I mean, it, it just changes the whole element of, of how you want to strategize against your opponent. Terrible rule. But, but 
it makes it sort of more interesting visually from a, a fan standpoint, I believe. More you know, it gets more dramatic yeah. and, you know, people, what's going to happen now? And this get more people talking about it. So that's why the arguments on the other side, entertainment value wise, it's sort of yeah. from a spectacle point of view as a commentator, I sort of like it because I know that it's going to change the dynamic, even though as a player, I would have hated it. What about the heat roll? Because I obviously when I'm looking at you and I'm sitting next to you and I'm going like this with my arm, would you guys prefer to not be out in the sun as long as, let's say, somebody like me who's a baseliner because you get oh, yeah. burnt? I mean, the heat roll. What about the heat roll? Is it, is it for the players? Is it for the fans? Well, first of all, I think it's complicated because yeah. it's outside the temperature, core temperature, wind, and humidity. Now, who came up with that solution? Because it doesn't say at 35 degrees or at 42 degrees. It's four elements together. I mean, we, we should remember last year's final was played indoors, uh, Chilich and Federer. And Chilich was told 45 minutes before the final that it was played indoors. Now, that it was a hot day, but it was an evening match. Now, obviously, it's clear who favored that Roger change. asked for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that, that, that's <laughs> the point I'm making. So... The heat, the, the heat rule is good because sometimes it just gets too hot to play tennis, but it has to be clear and it has to be for all players equally. Mm. Well, I think, listen, I've got very light skin and I recall losing to you, for example, down here, Mats, and, and the heat to me can be a big factor. And yep. I think at a certain point for in terms of quality of tennis uh, and, and health. Sometimes and health as well, hard. and you know, skin and yeah, all this yeah. other stuff. You're exposed to or are outside our whole lives. I think they should be more lenient. I think they should do it at a lot when it's you know 80 degrees, 85. It doesn't have to get to 100 degrees yeah. and 80 percent humidity. It has to be a clear the, rule. What what is too hot? I, I think yeah. it would be better for the sport if you had. I mean, if you have this type type of technology and roofs available to you. I mean, if, if it was so good, why wouldn't basketball, like the NBA and other sports, play outdoors more often? Because the quality of the game, to me, generally goes up indoors because you don't have to worry about the elements, the heat and the wind, for mainly. Mm. But then, obviously, we, you know, my scheme is a lot darker than yours. Is so so yeah. I, I, I remember, I remember <laughs> the sure. 90s. You know, I, I lost some of the matches here, and I played during the day, and in those days, there was no, no uh, cover, and there was no ice. Was, and you were, called, you were called weak when you said after. Well, it was pretty hot for me. You were, what? What, you weren't training enough? No, it was 42 degrees, and I'm, I'm light-skinned, right? It's too hot. So yeah. uh, talking to indoors I think that would definitely favor the aggressive serve roller player that we were playing and it would it would not favor a baseline a tactician so I think the an outdoor tournament should always stay in an outdoor I'm happy with the roof because you know television is there a lot of sponsorship money is there and if the final is at six o'clock and it storms you can close the roof I think that's a great addition then to we the game. should have an indoor major then right well, that's maybe. what I Maybe. Or just yeah. Please, yeah. someday. Yeah. We should. Um, I'm going to jump back just because there's the most controversial call, I think, is the call uh, in the Karenju boost-up match against Kei Nishikori at 8-5 in the super tiebreaker, um, where Nishikori comes to the net. Uh, Karenju Busta hits a passing shot, hits the top of the net, Bounces over Nishikori's side and bounces on the line. Line umpire behind Nishikori calls it out. Nishikori, at the same time as Nishikori, hits the ball for a winner. Umpire says to Karenyu Busta, challenges the call. And the challenge says that it wasn't out, it was in. 
So they should replay the point. Umpire says, it's my judgment. And I say that you had no play off of Nishikori's shot. Opinion. Well, <laughs> it's not a serve where the umpire I'm, calls it out. It's a shot later. I, so I watched. I watched it about seven or eight times yeah. to see if uh, Nishikori had hit the ball before or after, and it was very difficult to say. It certainly wasn't after, but it could have been during, and possibly slightly before. And as if as you're hitting your ball and you hear an out call, that's going to take a little pressure off you. Yeah, because you've heard an out call, so the pressure's not there. So, according to the rules, the right thing to do is for you to replay the point. That is the correct thing and what he should have done. Now, in terms of what actually, you know, the probability of Carreno Busta winning the point had it not been called was very small. You know, he 95% he was going to lose it. But there's a possibility that Nishikori would have choked yep. at 8-5 in the tiebreak knowing he's fatigued in the fifth set. So I, I can see where Carreno Busta lost it because this is this is a, like a really quiet guy, generally mild mannered guy. To see him go crazy like that shows you how how much it meant to him. But that 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 is uh, I hate to defend umpires, but that was a tough call. <laughs> let's let's set the scene there a little bit. They already played over five hours, and the umpires tied. The players are emotional. I mean, they went back and forth. Mm -hmm. I think Arena Busta had a uh, match. Did, did, what did you say? So, the umpire is tired or tight? No, no, tired as well. Tired. Tired, tired as well. I mean, they make mistakes. You know, I thought, you're right, John. I thought that was an umpire's mistake because they should have replayed the point. But they are humans. And and I don't think Karina Busta lost because of that call. If it was a match point, and, and yeah, that's a different story. But there was a very makeable shot for Nishikori. He was on top of the net. Yeah, he could have joked, but maybe he didn't. So um, um, you know, if you go black and white, you're right. But you have to again. I'll, I'm, I'm a human. I like to bring the human element a little bit. Sometimes. You know, he uh, Nishikori when he heard that call and the alcohol, he turned back and he was like, he made a face like, oh God, we got to play yeah. a let. And he thought they were going to play a lot. So yeah. he was pleasantly surprised. Carreno boosted loss and didn't win another point. Right. So even though it probably shouldn't have impacted the outcome yeah. because he was still up 8-6, mm. it appeared like it definitely did impact it. Karenia Busta apologized for his behavior after the match. The umpire did not apologize <laughs> for a judgment call that maybe he should have come out and say, yeah. then defended Karenia Busta a yeah. little bit. Listen, I made the call and <laughs> moment, heat of the moment. Absolutely. Uh, and I think, you know, um, we don't hear enough when there's uh, debates of, of difficult calls about umpires. Yeah. I think sometimes they should come out. If, uh, you mentioned Mohamed Layani, mm -hmm. and I applaud him for doing what he's done. And players stepped in his favor to say it was a great call from an umpire fan to saving a match and saving Curious. I still don't know if Curious paid him some money from the prize money one because he came back on that match. But maybe the money should have fine for getting suspended. He but I think uh, Lanyani should have given the platform to explain why he has done what he has done. So that would again add to the element and the spectacle of umpires. Well, think of a, an umpire though. See, I've always questioned, you know, why anyone would <laughs> want to be an umpire, <laughs> not just because they have to deal with people like me or Connors or whoever but if you do a great job yeah you don't point. get noticed yeah no yeah. no that's the sign of a great job no one exactly. knows who you were exactly. so that you know sounds you, like parenting you got to be weird <laughs> maybe that's it you do a great job you don't get uh, the appreciation maybe you deserve but you know with yeah. umpires it's a tough gig I mean I'm sure they love to be around the sport but it's like everyone likes to get a little 
recognition. So uh, that's I, I, why they like to maybe stir up the pot sometimes. And another thing I've noticed, and I, I like it, is a lot of more female umpires on the men's match. Is it just me, or is it that is. they have more female umpires on on you know, men's matches? I mean, what do you think about that? Well, they had uh, Carlos Ramos and Serena Williams yeah. U.S. Open final, yeah. and then for that worked well. And, and yeah, and, and for Novak Djokovic and uh, Juan Martín del Potro, they had a lady. I can't yes. remember who did it. So yes. what do I think? Yeah. If they're used to the ATP tour, then yeah, call the men's match. And mm -hmm. if they're used to the WTA tour, but I think the the you have to treat the players slightly different depending on what tour they're yeah. playing on and yeah. maybe what kind of shot they're hitting. Because yeah. obviously Nadal's forehand is a, is a lot harder to call than somebody who hits it flat maybe yeah. on the women's tour yeah. we're heading um, into a day and age where that will be you know a non-issue it's mm. becoming one already so uh yeah they're just as bad as the guys <laughs> <laughs> but last question guys um we have other things to do today and uh, because you're here um obviously the four grand slams have different rules in the in the, the last set they got tie breaks there's long sets we have the wta tour atp tour we got the davis cup we got the atp cup we got the labor cup we got the international tennis federation I mean, is it time? I'm actually going to ask Boris first. Is it time that we somehow try and get together and have one commissioner of tennis where they all vote and we have the player council on the ATP, we have the board of the ITF, we have the similar thing on the WTA, get together and vote one person that can be the head of everything and let's work together to grow this game. The, the, way, the way he's asking it, you better say yes. Uh. <laughs> no, look, listen, we have two, two tours. I mean, boxing has four uh, federations, tennis has two. They are working closer together than, let's say, 10 years ago, but they're not working together. And the two tours are what you mean? WTA and no, ATP? No, I, no. Well, on, on the man's side, I'm talking. The man's side, yep. the, the, IT, the ITF. And it's the ATP or the ITF and the WTA. And they don't work together. And therefore, you know, they, they come up with rule changes that, that are not always the same equally to all tournaments, male or female. Um, now with the Federation, it was the, the, the Davis Cup was, was the biggest story of last year. Of, of the change of format. Now the ATP has done their own Davis Cup version. Obviously, not good. Uh, 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 I, I prefer I prefer that there's you know one let's say for the for the female tour there's there should be a commissioner and for the men's there should be a commissioner because there's different issues and and there should be one one top of it that makes a decision obviously supported with the board and as he said the board is then very important but it's very difficult because players sometimes don't know what's important what's not there there's schedule is taken advantage of of course because the ATP um, tournament then is at the beginning of the year chances are that everybody would want to play that and the Davis Cup final in the new element um, format is at the end of the year so chances are that not everybody plays because of scheduling so Again, a debate to be continued, but it's too confusing and everybody sort of does their own thing, which hurts the sport. I'm confused. Can you repeat that? No. <laughs> yeah, because no. it's confusing. Well, that's exactly, yeah. which is why we need yeah. a commissioner, yep. because let's face it, the majors, they care about themselves. Wimbledon, the All England Club, I mean, and I don't blame them, mm. but there's got to be a partnership the way there is in other sports. The players... And the events, you know, 50-50 partnership. That's what the ATP does, but they have no real power because they're not involved with the, the Grand Slams. And then you have too many team events now. 
why don't they put these together, the ATP Team Cup and the Davis Cup, make it one? If it turns out Australia is a place to do it, if this is what they want to try, try it. The Laver Cup was a great new event that, I, that I'm sure. involved with. Yep. I just as the coach. I have no axe to grind about that. I don't have any participation in, you know, the the profits or whatever. But to me, that was one of the greatest events they had in the last 10 years. They're trying to ruin that. Mm. They seem like they don't care about the Davis Cup in a way to me. You could go on and on. So it's like, how about we get someone to, together... I mean, the odds of this happening, again, are so small that it's somewhat depressing. That's why some <laughs> yes. guy on Eurosport does a self-appointed commissioner of tennis <laughs> because no one ever listens anyway. So we got to just do our thing. I mean, why do we have to answer to tournament directors in these other, the eight, this, you know, Master Series tour? Why don't the players have their own union? Yep. We don't even have a union yet. So the next time we do a vodcast, we're going to be talking about some new things. So... I'm glad you hopefully enjoyed this and stay tuned for the three of us. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.